Prince Harry, of course, is going to put a ring on it for Meghan Markle, but he is not going to go for the prenup. We'll see how that works out. Plus, Jeff Sessions fires Andrew McCabe, and he does it with reason. The problem is it was literally a day and a half before he would retire with full pension. And Johnny Manziel, of course, an alum of Texas A&M University, has a pro day, another pro day, even though he was a pro once, at the University of San Diego. Sort of bounces in and uh, crashes their pro day to throw off a little bit and show for some scouts. Those three stories pretty big this week, but not quite large enough to make it to the top ten per your response, what you thought was big on social media. So what are the big stories this week? Find out about that in just a moment here on the weekly wrap show from This Is A Conversation, and this is for the week ending March 24th, 2018. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cliven Payne. I'm your host for this show and the man behind the curtain for all things around this is a conversation.com. It is a website, it is a social media hub, it is a movement where we get with you and we call you the best conversationalist people around the world. And we do say that, we don't do know that's not grammatically correct. We say that we have the best conversations with you people because we talk about all the stories, literally all the stories that could pop up around the world, it, not just the Chiron things that get stuck as you're breaking news in the news cycle here and there. Here in the States, it's a lot of times, well, it's pretty much all Trump most of the time. And so sometimes the stories are that are really touching to you are kind of silly. Sometimes they're serious and oftentimes they're not exactly all about Donald Trump. Although this week there's plenty of Donald Trump in the news, in the top 10, and throughout the story. So that's an amazing thing. Amazing on this week. We had a very, very busy week. We've learned from you over this week and over the past couple of weeks when testing later stories and condensing the time between more stories that you like lots of stories to choose from. And where I sit in the central time zone in the United States, you like what would be called later stories for us or maybe earlier stories for around the world based on the time that comes out there. We've had a lot of response, a lot of global type response this week with some of the top stories this week being really big stories that, in a sense, didn't really make much of a noise here in the States, but meant something to large groups of people who were either international or where they were from. So we'll have a lot of talk about that and discussion about that in the second section of this podcast, which will be the housekeeping and my quick commentary part since we're on a bit of a hiatus for the interviews going on right now. So let me back up a little bit. What we're going to present for you in the first segment is the top 10 stories of the week. So if you're new to this, you're going to get the top 10 stories as per you or the yous who participated off the bat. And you participate pretty simply. You follow This Is The Conversation and our social media habits. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. And on Facebook, it's This Is A Conversation. And when you get there, when you follow us, make sure you like us and make sure that we're in your feed so you see us more often. When you see a story come through the feed from us, a link from a news story, you just respond to it. You like it. You love it. You hate it. You share it. You reply. You do what you can to react with it. And the more reaction a story gets, the more votes it gets in the end. We put the Facebook and Twitter together in a spreadsheet. We do some number crunching. At least the spreadsheet does it. And bam, we get the top 10 stories of the week. And we go all the way down to the bottom, which of course this week, 128, we call that the almost irrelevant story. It's usually a pretty big story, but because of timing, it just did not get the love that the other ones got. So we'll talk about that one in the third segment. Plus, we'll round out the top 15 to show which stories were almost good enough to be in the top 10. And from there to the end of the show, 
we will just get in as many of the random stories as we can. So, you know, what else went on in the news, what you thought was kind of important and sometimes just stories that I thought were really cool that I just want to cram in there somehow. It's very simple. Like we said, follow us on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Follow us on Facebook, This Is Conversation, and react as you see the stories. Now, let's go ahead and get into this week's top 10 so we can get things moving, shall we? Starting off with the number 10 story this week, and that is President Donald Trump, who did something which is pretty Trumpian, and that meant doing something against the grain of what his advisors said. This week, we had a, well, actually last week, there was an election in Russia which allows Vladimir Putin to serve his fourth term as president. And he's had an even longer extended term as being in charge as this terms in between president. He put some puppet guy in and made himself prime minister. So he's still kind of in charge. Uh, but as you would expect with the presidential elections, there's all the world leaders who call up and congratulate or talk about things on those levels. President Obama had to call Putin in his last time. He won his presidency and, of course, congratulate the Russians for completing an election cycle not for having a rigged election. President Trump did the same. Well, not quite. President Trump called a little bit later than one would expect, a little bit later than the courtesy went on, just to kind of you know puff up his chest and say that he did something to speak out on it. However, in his documents, his documentation, in his write-up on what to say, apparently he was told by many people not to actually congratulate Putin because they believe the election was fixed and in literally had documents that had in capital letters, do not congratulate. And of course, he was congratulated for getting his fourth term as president. So the big story on this one, actually, not so much that Trump likes Putin and pump and Trump would want to pump up Putin in a sense. The big story is the fact that we know about this. We got this leak literally hours after the call happened. And so that's where the really crazy thing happened. The White House calls this a fireable offense. If they can figure out who was leaking it, they're pretty sure it's someone from the National Security Agency and someone in the, the, the communities that gathers information in the intel community who was trying to show that Trump doesn't know what he's doing. But no one can really point this out, and those guys are really good at hiding things. So we'll see how well that plays out in the future. Let's move on to the number nine story this week. The headline is Black Man Acquitted of Assaulting Protester at Charlottesville Rally. This story gets a bump in response from the 10 story of 8.66% this week. From the story we pulled from CNN this week, an African-American man was acquitted on Friday on charges he assaulted a white protester last August at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. A judge acquitted DeAndre Harris on the misdemeanor assault charge during the hearing on Friday. This according to the Charlottesville General District Court records. Harris was accused of hitting a man in the head with a flashlight moments before white protesters attacked him in a parking garage. Uh, as reported earlier by CNN affiliate WVIR, a videotape of Harris being attacked was shared widely online. But, of course, he was charged with basically insulting the attack, basically edging it on. This finds him acquitted, saying he's not responsible for the fight that ensued that literally got him beat up in the process. Uh, there's still other charges being worried out by that whole crazy day. Uh, but this is one side that I will say, at least, looks like justice was served in the right order. We'll see what other people think as well. You're free to give your opinion this one as well. This one, we of course, posted on Sunday, an early weekend uh, shot that came in pretty heavy. Number eight story this week, Mississippi boy nine shoots sister 13 over video game. This week posted on Monday, March 19th, bumper response of 8.7% from the number nine story this week. 
13-year-old girl was shot and killed after authorities say she was shot on Saturday by the 9-year-old brother. Uh, this happened in Monroe County in Mississippi. The sheriff, Cecil Cantrell, said the girl would not give up a video game controller when her brother wanted it and said that she was then shot in the back of the head. The bullet went through her brain. It's basically killing her more or less instantly. The girls rushed to the hospital in Memphis where they tried to deal with her injuries, but, of course, uh, she was not able to be revived. Authorities don't yet know how the child had access to the weapon and said he used to shot his sister, but it's unclear how much knowledge boy actually had of the dangers of handguns as well. This is a very tragic story, which goes on top of all the stories we're talking about, about guns and gun control and everything going on, and the desensitizing of children to weapons like this. We will see how this one portrays itself throughout the rest of the week. As we said, this was posted in our survey, or at least in our feed, on Monday the 19th. This happened on the Saturday previous. Number seven story this week, going to nostalgia, and that is Clarissa Explains It All, the TV show, the very popular TV show from a while back on Nickelodeon, starring Melissa Joan Hart, is coming back in a reboot setting, uh, much similar to the story that we have for uh, the Raven show, uh, That's So Raven, who came back on Disney with the adult version of Raven and the adult version of her best friend raising their children. This one has Clarissa explaining it all to her family as she's grown up. Not sure if Sam's still climbing through her window. I'm sure her husband will probably not be so happy about that. But uh, nostalgia is back in full effect as Clarissa explains it all. Is coming back to Nickelodeon. Say that three times fast. Nickelodeon. And this is in the works. We'll see it fairly soon. Friday, March 16th was the day we posted this. And, of course, it got a jump response because nostalgia of 25.33% in the eight story this week. Moving on to the next story, and it involves money, money, money. Snapchat drops $800 million after Rihanna responds to offensive ads. This one was posted on Saturday, March 17th, so a lot of things getting in from the weekend and sticking around. Uh, this is the sixth story this week, and it had a bumper response from the seven. Not very much, but we get some serious love on how many people responded to it. 2.13% from the six getting into the seven. Let's get into the story, which is um, more business than personal in this case. Rihanna is the latest celebrity, of course, to jump on the Snapchat um, bandwagon to dump Snapchat and make the stock drop. Of course, early in the week, the singer and the actress uh, had a pretty big spat on being offended by an ad they put out uh, that has covered uh, Rihanna and Chris Brown. So it had a question of, would you rather slap Rihanna or punch Chris Brown in their would you rather campaign? Remember, Rihanna and Chris Brown had some issues with domestic violence, and it's not all that funny to be doing stuff like that. So according to CNN Tech, Rihanna's comment caused the app to stock to drop 4%, which wiped out $800 million in U.S. cash. Now, believe it or not, this is not the first time in the last couple of weeks for Snapchat to be blasted. Of course, Kylie Jenner complained about it, but she complained that Snapchat now was kind of ugly, and then they lost some money there. So when celebrities are not hyping up your platform, it does have an issue on the people on the platform, as a lot of younger people who follow the celebrities are following them on the platforms. You can see that right now in the people who are saying they are jumping off the Facebook bandwagon, and most of those people apparently are going to Instagram, which, of course, is owned by Facebook, so there you go. 
Moving on to the number five story, we're calling this one a super story because we combined a bunch of stories together to make it a higher seed. Now, one of the three stories we combined essentially was going to make it into this anyway, and two of the stories are on the same team. One is a similar team that made it into a larger story. We didn't want to kind of scope it out and make it a little simpler. So we want to put in all the March Madness we could into one big shebang. The number five story this week has to deal with the Cinderella's who are the darlings of the NCAA tournament this year. And they are UMBC and Loyola Chicago. We start off with University of Maryland, Baltimore County, because they have the bigger splash and the quicker splash in the tournament. They are now officially, because no one's done it before, the 16 seed that beat the one seed, able to knock out UVA in the first round of, well, technically second round, the round of 68 teams. They were able to knock off UVA, one of the favorites who actually win the whole thing this year, and, of course, be the only 16 seed. As people have been asking, when will a 16 seed be big enough to take out a number one? Well, this year it happened with the Retrievers of UMBC making it happen. Could not make it through the next round, though, although it was a shocker. They almost pulled off the win versus Kansas State, and they so they were knocked out in the second round or the third round, round of 32, whatever you, say, you want to say it was. It was an amazing run and amazing hype, but not quite as big as the other team that's being the other darling, and they're actually still dancing, believe it or not. That happens to be Loyola Chicago, who uh, two, a few years ago weren't playing basketball and have an amazing backstory, an amazing chaplain who um, actually put them in to make it to the Sweet 16 and is sort of happy, spoiler alert, that they actually busted out through to the Elite Eight. That happened last night, and so it was posted late in the day. That'll probably be a part of our countdown next week, see how far they go. However, their amazing run began with the win over number 6 Miami as an 11 seed. Then they knocked off number 3 Tennessee. And, of course, as we said last night, they knocked off number 7 Nevada. So they are now in the Elite Eight playing on Saturday or playing as this thing is being replayed because we record on Friday. Time shifts are kind of weird. We'll see how much more we'll talk about the amazing team from Chicago, and we'll see how much more we'll talk about Cinderella dancing as as well. The big story in the big dance this year and reason why this is happening, and there's been so much chaos with lower seeds and unexpected teams beating higher seeds, we're believing it's a catch-up to the one-and-dones, which should have caught up a long time ago, you believe it. But with so many kids being so good and having to stay to one year and going away, the kids that are just good enough and stay at full four years or three years at least make strong teams and strong bonds with their teammates. Now, this is being played out in a very microcosm way by a person who didn't make the countdown this week but did um, last week. Uh, that is Marvin Bagley III, the player who should technically be wrapping up his high school season year and was able to skip ahead to play college for a year because you can't go straight from high school to the pros. So technically, he's right now a pro-level player and looking at a, like a draft of mock draft, a third in the draft. Not sure who has that pick right now, but people are saying this one kid who technically should still be in high school has the hops to put up some pretty good numbers in the pros at this point playing for Duke, and we're pretty sure he's only playing for one year at Duke. Moving on to the next story for the day. This one back to normal. This one a bit more tragic. The number four story this week, uh, FIU bridge had cracks, engineer told state before collapse. This one we posted on Friday, the 16th of March, of course. This was the highest rated Twitter story of the week. The most Twitter response that we had from all the stories we had. And this one had a bumper response from the five 
of 25.13%. Now, they actually were three calls, I believe. I told I don't have the full story in front of me, but the day of the bridge collapse in at FIU that killed many people, and it took them days to just clear out the rubble to get to the actual incident. The engineers front had told them about various cracks in various parts. No one said anything was essentially going to fall over and just collapse the way it did. But they got recalls that went to a voicemail that, of course, could not be answered until after uh, most of the um, the work to clear the thing happened. So there were some sort of structural issues with the bridge. It was a brand new bridge built over the campus and some sort of issues that were there and seen that could have been addressed if maybe they were brought to light earlier. Maybe they are just found and that's just the timing is just so clearly crazy in the situation. But literally as the bridge is collapsing over the, the campus, phone calls are going into the engineering office telling about some potential cracks in the foundation, potential cracks in the bridge that could cause issues. Moving on to the number three and also the number two story, we won't get to that one. This is one that proves that we really do have an international reach. This isn't just a something that's right here in my backyard in the States. This is something that people around the world or people in the audience here care about in outside places. We have a lot of international stories that normally don't get picked up within the main news cycle period. And the next two stories are proof and they're high standing in these are proof. Uh, that uh, people around the world are picking up on the conversation. Starting off with the number three story, external affairs minister Shushma Shwara uh, confirms death of 39 Indian workers abducted by ISIS. Posted on Tuesday, March the 20th, bump a response of 28.28% from the four story. Let me pull up the story so I can read you the details from this happening. Now, this happened coming out of New Delhi, uh, issuing a statement um, on that day. The external minister, external affairs minister, confirmed that all 39 construction workers abducted by ISIS in June of 2014 were officially confirmed to be dead. The Indian construction workers were mostly from Punjab, that's what's saying, and they were kidnapped while working in Mosul of Iraq. And this was a statement that was a sad statement, a general statement to give to the nation. Uh, we know a lot about kidnappings. We talked about the uh, Boko Haram um, kidnapping uh, earlier. Didn't make it quite the top 10 list, but it was something we did in a weekly, in a daily upcat, update a few days ago. Uh, but ISIS and ISIS pledged groups are known to do these acts of general terror. This is something that we posted, and it was something that we posted off the Asia News Network website, something that normally we wouldn't pick up. Something just sort of happened to be there. We posted at the right time, essentially, and you folks responded by making it the third highest-ranked story from Facebook and Twitter responses, a lot of response on both of the medians this week. Same to be said from the number two story. This one we posted uh, early in the, the countdown or late last week, posted on Friday, fairly early in the day, I believe. And this says skiers were flung off a lift after one malfunctioned in country of Georgia. Uh, it was like I said, we posted on the 16th. It got a bumper response from the three story of 49.52%, almost 50% higher than the number three story, which tells you just how high the one story is going to be coming up in just a second. Uh, but we're going to pull up the details on that one as well. 
in the nation of Georgia, the country of Georgia, uh, malfunctioning ski lifts sent people flying backwards and forced them to drop off a ski resort in that place. There was video that caught it, which probably is what really made it a big story. It got picked up uh, by CNN and other outlets here in the States because video is great to pull in people for prying eyes, if you will. And at least 10 people injured when the lift started moving backwards at high speed uh, with the malfunctioning of the lift. Other other could not jump off in time and were thrown out of their chairs as well. Uh, skiers, of course, because everyone has their cell phones, are able to catch the photos of the aftermath and, of course, the video, which is kind of graphic, watching the skiers being flung from the chair uh, and not knowing exactly what's going on. As far as we can tell, uh, no one was dramatically hurt from the incident, but I'm sure it was pretty, pretty scary nonetheless. And now the final story in the top 10, the number one story this week. This has the biggest response on Facebook this week, and it has a jump in response of 7.05% total, or, or from the two story, I should say, from the 10 story, which, of course, Trump congratulating Putin after being told not to. It was responded 294% more times. And from the almost relevant story, 128 it is 4,454 times more responded to, more powerful, more popular than that story, which we'll tell you about in a bit. But the number one story this week, here's your headline. Teen on driving test crashes through examination station before making it on the road. Now, this is a story that proves that we are all parents. We are all caring people. And we, of course, really do feel for some people, uh, and especially young people, working their way through life. And this teenager got a very big scare. And we can talk about it because... No one was hurt. Um, no one was serious or in the incident. I'm just going to quickly read you the story and just go from there. This happened in Buffalo. Uh, teen at Buffalo, Minnesota, I should say. A teenager taking her driving test crashed through the driver's examination station before she even got on the road. The Star Tribune reported that 17-year-old crashed a 2014 Chevy Equinox into the building Wednesday afternoon in Buffalo, Minnesota. The driver was not hurt, but a 60-year-old woman working at the license examiner sustained non-critical injuries and the vehicle was significantly damaged, as you would expect. It happened after the teenager put the Equinox in drive instead of reverse at the start of the test, according to the paper. Nobody was inside the office during the crash. The train driver will not be charged. The big important story part of this is she obviously did not pass her driving test that day. <laughs> So this got a lot of response and a lot of comments on Facebook and in Twitter on just feeling sorry for the girl. Just just so amazing. But the, the really amazing part of the story is the fact that no one got hurt, which is the most important thing. And she will have a story to tell for the rest of her life, an embarrassing story to tell. But it's a story that she's walking away from. So that's what's the greatest part of the story. And that wraps up the top 10 stories for this week from 10 to 1. Or, yep, that's how it worked out. And how did we get to these 10 stories? How did we or I pick the stories? Well, I didn't. You did. If social media, you followed us on Twitter and Facebook and you responded to the stories as they came down with the love, with the hate, with the sharing, with the replies that you determined need to be there. And plenty of love for the girl who crashed the car through the storefront window on her driver's test because that was a really, really, I, I feel for her right now. But you can be a part of next week's and any week's beyond with what we have going on by simply following us on social media, Twitter, TH underscore conversation, Facebook, this is a conversation. 
You can also just follow us on our website, thisisconversation.com, because the, the links get posted there as they go along for the rest of the social media. And the more responses we see in the social media, we add in the spreadsheet and the magic happens, and bam, we get a top 10, we get a top 15, we get a full listing all the way to the bottom, and we let you know how it works out every single week. Coming up, we're going to do a bit of housekeeping, and we'll get a bit of commentary. We'll figure out which of the top eight stories, which is one of the top stories of this week. I'll give you a couple of minutes of my thoughts on it, and you can reply to those thoughts if you wish here on the weekly wrap-up show from This Is a Conversation for the week ending March the 24th, 2018. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys, and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal, and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. what we're currently just calling the commentary and housekeeping segment because we're trying to keep the commentary segment alive and doing some housekeeping in the midst while we're working towards that. I want to quickly thank you for just being a part of the podcast and sticking with us. This was once and will someday again be the segment we do the interview for the podcast and we interview just interesting people who have some love for current events in the news. They just have to be able to keep up the news stories and play what we call the brackets game where we give them the top 10 stories and let them play them off each other till they get to one story and then give them a chance to talk and give some commentary on that because 10's uneven and I know the numbers. I basically play through a bracket of eight stories and then I'll give you commentary in just a minute on that very quick commentary on the story that I just chose and basically tell you why I chose it, why it seemed like it was big this week and what I really think about the actual story. As far as housekeeping, we still intend on getting back into the swing of doing more interviews with interesting people. We just have to get through a, basically a stage of life where the timing doesn't work out so well and just, just isn't working out for getting it done. But we want to make sure that all the pieces stay intact in the podcast, so we're going to make sure we keep sticking things in here. So we enjoy having all the discussions from you about loving it, and some of you not so much loving it. If you don't love it, well, we're going to try to bring it back anyway. We thank you so much for what's going on. If you think that you'll be great to play the brackets once we get a chance to put them back into swing, we're hoping to do that within about three weeks to a month or so, scheduling being fixed and all. We'll uh, take that back into consideration. You can simply go to the website and apply, and we'll take care of that. Plus, we have a page on the website, thisisconversation.com slash wishlist, where it's a listing of people I'd like to get on, people that are way too famous to have time for me, but um, if you know one of those folks and you think they would give a little time, then um, I'd appreciate that as well. Check that out. And you can send me an email with details and contact information on how to get in touch with whatever and back alleys and, you know, 
carrier pigeons, whatever we need to do to make that happen. Because if we can, trust me, if I can get on some of these folks, Billy Idol, if you know Billy Idol, you can hook me up with Billy Idol, I'll, I'll do what I can to make that one happen. So let's go ahead and move on to the commentary for this week. And we played out through eight stories, as we said, because 10 stories makes no sense and it's not even, it doesn't even itself out. I could go bigger, but we only do the top 10 stories from the last segment. And it came down to, in the back and forth, even though we had some pretty heavy, pretty serious stories this week, it came down to a toss between the number six story this week, which was Rihanna's responding to Snapchat and them losing $800 million. And the number seven story this week was Clarissa explaining it all coming back to Nickelodeon. And because I'm a child of the 80s and I love some, some Clarissa, we went with Clarissa Explains It All, the reboot. So the flip-flop on that one essentially is the fact that over the two, as I worked them back and forth, while Snapchat losing money over celebrities saying, I don't like this, is a pretty big deal in your business model. If your business model is following the hype, there's a bit more to the business model of this Clarissa thing than than is on the, the surface. And that's where the commentary goes from here. It's all about nostalgia. And it's something that we always have been accustomed to as humans. Everyone likes to think back to the older days. Back in the days when we actually had pictures in frames and in books that were physical that you can flip through. Every so often you'd go through an old book of pictures and just kind of flip through them in that context and go back to the better days. Now it's a lot harder to do that as everything is stored digitally. It's on different phones and different devices. And you have to literally scroll through hours and days and months worth of stuff to get to something that's significant from way back when. And of course, in this day and age, way back when is only about 10 years, maybe per the smartphone life. Here we're looking at television, which is having its own issues with creativity and going back to the well for old standards to sort of stay relevant, which is weird in this sense because they're going back to an old kids TV show to bring it back to be a new adult TV show which is sort of what they did with Full House on Netflix. But Netflix's example, and this is an example of us growing up, growing older, and growing into our roles as adults. The millennials, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to have for their classic TV, but in an age where my six-year-old will soon get a chance to watch, well, right now she gets a chance to watch DuckTales and Ninja Turtles, which is what I was watching essentially when I was a bit older than she was, and there's the battle over the superheroes and all the way, the way they're portrayed as not being smart enough for the kids these days when they were a little smarter then. It gets a little weird when you start throwing in the ideas of what is generational, what fits the generations, especially when there's so many generations living out and latching onto old things. Now, this is a day and age where action figures are not meant to be taken out of the box. They're meant to hang out at your office place. And that means if you have an office place, you have a job. You have to have a pretty good job to buy action figures these days, as opposed to all the dolls that are half-dressed and half-broken in my daughter's room. And she's, like I said, only six years old. On the week where Toys R Us officially started its full liquidation of all its stores, a standout of childhood for people my age, we get to see a retelling, a reliving, if you will, 
of that whole age and stature by going to shows like the new Full House reboot or the new Clarissa reboot or many of the other things they're bringing back. Some of them are being brought back to life as they were, you know, real fresh restarts as something brand new to the people learning how they work out. And some of them, like this show here, is an update. Growing up, growing older, I mentioned that that's a Raven bring back uh, that's on Disney Channel right now where Raven and her childhood best friend are now living together, raising their kids, which is basically the same plot as Full House. But this Clarissa Darling is going to have a family, a husband, some children and interaction with the old family. So I'm very interested to see how the old Clarissa Darling back in those days, back how we were, you know, so young and innocent, if you will has grown up and is dealing with things in the now. And will she still talk to the screen? And I really hope Sam's not still climbing through the window on the ladder. That'd be a bit much. But I'm excited. Yes, I'm really excited about this. This is one I'm actually as excited about this one as the return of Darkwing Duck, which is a weird thing because I guess I'm a, I'm a guy. But... Living off nostalgia is something that we're really stuck in these days. We're looking towards the older days as we're looking for simpler times. Things really are moving faster. And while the old people used to say the same things a generation ago when they were our age, things have gone exponentially quick and fast and just, in some cases, terrible. The news is horrible. What kids are allowed to do is horrible. What kids are being stuck into is horrible. And we really want to go to something that's a bit more simpler. So we're plucking a simpler time character. And yes, she was a character on a kid's television network, so it was pretty cheesy. And trying to see how she interacts in the world today. I'm curious to see how she did it so I can compare how I have done it, looking in the eyes of me from the past and looking forward. And that's my commentary for this week. Uh, for more grand commentary, just stop by next week and we'll see what we come up with. In the meantime, once again, remind you to be a part of what we do here. It's very simple. Follow us on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Follow us on Facebook at thisisconversation.com and just like, love, react to the stories as they come through your feed. And you get a chance to be a part of how this thing goes down, seeing what stories are at the top. And in just a few moments, what stories is literally at the bottom of the list. We go to the almost relevant story this week. As we said, number 128 plus round out the top 15 and get in as many stories as we can in between in just a bit from This is the Conversation's weekly wrap-up show for the week ending March the 24th, 2018. The all-new FreshBooks is accounting software that is simple, it is fast, it is secure, it, it helps make your small business run and just run so that you can actually run your small business. It takes care of all the accounting, making it painless so that billing is painful, uh, keeping track is painful, everything is simple. It is ridiculously easy to use, has plenty of powerful features, including automating tasks like invoicing, organizing expenses, and tracking your time. And, of course, it's all organized in the cloud, so you can use it from your desktop, from your laptop, from your tablet, from your phone. It's very simple, very easy, and you can get a great deal on using it. And help us out at This Is A Conversation by going through our website link at thisisaconversation.com slash freshbooks. 
This is conversation.com slash FreshBooks. You can try it for free. It's great for self-employed people. It's great for managing agencies. It's great small business software. It does what it's supposed to do. It does your accounting, and it keeps you from having to do it. It's that simple. It's intuitive. It's easy. How many times can I say it's easy? Sign up for FreshBooks today. Go to our website, this is a conversation.com slash FreshBooks, or just stop by the sponsors page and find it there and other sponsors we have there. But this week, we are glad to be sponsored and spotlighting the sponsorship from FreshBooks. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting, which is simple, easy, fast, secure, and most importantly, painless accounting for your small business. Ten minutes left in the show. Thank you so much for being a part of this week's show. And, of course, to be a part of next week's, you just simply follow us on social media, TH underscore conversation for Twitter, and this is a conversation for Facebook. Follow all things about this podcast and this movement at thisisaconversation.com and find out more information about my other projects by going to my main website, jclevenpain.net. Email me at info at jclevenpain if you would like to, to get more information on what's going on or to just kind of get in the mailbag. So let's go ahead and wrap things up at this point. Oh, by the way, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it with some friends, and so we get as many people as possible in on these conversations. Now, wrapping up the conversation for this week, going back to the almost irrelevant story for this week. This is story posted 128, ranked by you this week. As we said, it was 4,454% less responded to, not so much like, but less reaction to than the number one story this week on the teen driver that drove through the building while taking her driver's test. The headline for this one, Kenya outlaws anal exams in victory for gay rights. This one didn't get a lot of time to really get a lot of love, although this does happen. We posted it basically very early this morning. A story that was created or put out there yesterday in the news came out after midnight my time, where I am central time. And a very quick read of it is Kenya's Court of Appeal on Thursday ruled that the use of forced anal exams used to determine whether gay men engage in sex is illegal. The National Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission took the case to court after two men were arrested in 2015 on suspicion of having sex. And according to the men, authorities forced them to undergo anal examinations by hospital staff and security personnel. They said authorities forced them to submit to HIV tests. They find that this, at least the court says, these are illegal for, and it's a landmark in gay rights for that nation. Something like this sounds very barbaric and very just weird, and that's because it is both very barbaric and just very weird. So we now know that. Going back to round out the top 15 for this week, stories that weren't quite hot enough to get into the top 10, starting off with the 11 story for this week. Your headline, Missing Teen Located in Mexico, 45-Year-Old Man Arrested. Uh, this was posted on Sunday, and this is a story that's been going on for weeks. Um, the shorter version of it. Coming out of Allentown, Pennsylvania, a girl who was abducted, was taken uh, and been missing for for weeks, was taken to Mexico by a man, 45-year-old, who was a neighbor, a family friend. And this all worked out by him signing himself onto the roles at school, or at least the daughter, the girl letting herself, announcing him as her stepfather, even though there was some sort of odd relationship going on between the two. Uh, she, he was, she abducted her. 
and they ran off to Mexico. They were found safe, and he, of course, is being charged for what you do for 45-year-olds who run off with teenage girls. Going to the uh, 12 story this week, Prince Harry reportedly rejects prenup ahead of marriage to Meghan Markle. Now, you can take this one with a grain of salt, but apparently Prince Harry thinks this love is going to last forever, even though he's really, really, really rich. He's about um, estimated to be worth $44 million. And, of course, Meghan Markle is on her second marriage because she's American and from Hollywood or whatever. Uh, But one would think in this day and age, especially after what's gone on with various other marriages in the royal family, both Prince Andrew and Prince Charles having their issues with former wives and other wives and other people. Um, the next generation is going for love. There will be no prenup for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. There will just they're just not going to do it. They say love will overcome this thing. This thing's happened forever. This thing's going to stay last forever, I should say. And there's no need to go to the formal work of the paperwork. Good for them. Let's hope it actually does. We hope these things actually do last. We don't really root for the the craziness of divorce, number one, and royal divorce, number two. It does make headlines, but we rather have the happy fairy tale ending than the tragic, crazy Maury Povich ending. That's what we're shooting for here. Like I'm a part of this. I have no part of this at all. Quickly going to the number 13 story this week, Sessions fires McCabe before he can retire. Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, fired Andrew McCabe from his job in the FBI literally days before he was set to retire and receive his full pension. Now, whether McCabe will fire back, we're not sure. But McCabe, a very, very, very visible target of the president who doesn't seem to like him and doesn't like the fact that he's letting the investigation go on on Robert Mueller uh, about him. Uh, Sessions actually had the right to fire and the suggestion to fire him based on some dealings he had, that being Andrew McCabe, in sort of meddling with the Clintons, um, the Clintons and the election. It It's really not as complicated as it is, but McCabe did some things that were a little off-putting and decided instead of being fired weeks ago to just go ahead and retire and fade into the sunset since he was up for pension soon anyway. The fact that they waited till two days before to to basically put the axe down, that is seen by a lot of folks as dirty politics. I don't believe he's losing entirely all of his pension, but a big chunk of it is going to be gone because he didn't hit the retirement milestone. So think about that as you reach your point of retirement, try not to get fired days before you hit your milestone. Meanwhile, a milestone for Johnny Manziel, who is back in the news and maybe back in the game he had a pro day, or at least San Diego, University of San Diego had a pro day, and Johnny Menzel, who did not go there, got a chance to throw with the kids at the pro day for University of San Diego. The 2014 first-round draft pick been training with quarterback guru George Whitfield Jr., and so he agreed to take a part of their pro day as they were working with quarterbacks there. Now, scouts from 13 teams were on hand to watch him, uh, including lots of teams there, and we'll see what happens if he gets himself back into the game and back into a semblance of a decent life. Moving on to the next story, it is the 15th story for this week. Republicans drop Senate primary challenge to Heller after Trump's urging. Republican drops Senate primary challenge to Heller after Trump's urging. That is a mouthful, but that's what happened this week at the end of the primary challenge that was going on in Nevada. Danny Tarkanian was going to challenge the sitting Republican uh, in the Senate, Dean Heller, 
of Republican from Nevada, of course. Uh, but because Donald Trump told him not to, Danny Sarkanian will now be running for the House in Nevada instead, which is actually pretty good politics. Sarkanian had a pretty good chance of knocking off Hiller, but uh, Trump basically convinced the guy, the other guy, that leaving the guy guy was the right move and playing it out as best as possible. That makes as that, yeah, that sounded as weird in my head as it did when it came out loud. So here you go. President Trump is essentially rearranging the deck chairs, if you will, setting up the cabinet, setting up the House and the Senate, setting up all the players to be the way they should be to make things happen. And then, of course, we'll find he'll find a way to kind of mess that up. So we're running out of time very quickly. Once again, thank you so much for being a part of the show this week. We're going to get in as few as the also-rans as possible, and it's going to be very few today. Of course, happening uh, earlier this week, Karen McDougal broke her silence uh, against um, Donald Trump, giving an interview about the affair she had and, of course, apologizing to Melania Trump for having an affair with her husband. Of course, she also wants their story told and to make more money off that as well. Boko Haram has returned to kidnap Nigerian schoolgirls. It happened early this week, returning many kidnapped girls along with the message to keep them out of school because that's really what they're against, schools or children, women being educated. Tyron Liu, the coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers, has come now in a mystery illness, and he is leaving, basically having panic attacks and just having all sorts of weirdness in, his, in the stress of his life of running LeBron James's team. So LeBron James gets to run his own team, I guess, for a little while as well. We also have the loss of a former Bozo clown, Frank Uvrich, who played the role for a long time, died at the age of 89. And if you are a fan of slushes and you are a fan of pickles, then by golly, Sonic has something for you. Coming up very soon to the Sonic drive through near you, drive in near you, I should say, pickle slushes. I'm not sure if you're going to mix that in your cherry limeade, but hey, it's summertime. It's it, it it's a pickle slush. That's what it is. We are out of time for this weekend. Thank goodness we're out of time. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, hanging out with us, and just being in for the conversation. Make sure you follow us on social media and react and respond so that your vote, your cast, gets in there to see what we're talking about on next week's This Is Conversations weekly wrap-up show. 